Welcome or welcome back to Horse for Whore. I'm Mariah. And I'm Kayla. And it feels so good to be back. We kind of just dropped off the face of the earth with (laughs) no message, (laughs) but we're back. We're releasing an episode, but we are going to be taking another break after this, meaning that like, you know, we're taking like the holiday break. So our next episode after this one won't be back until January 20th. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm mostly going to be doing homework. Yep, it's going to be a lot of homework, a lot of working, but we're really fortunate and blessed to be able to do the podcast, work, and both go to school at the same time, so, Mm -hmm. you know, we're just kind of prioritizing right now, and unfortunately, the podcast isn't one that's on the top three of the priorities for either one of us, but don't worry, we'll be back for now. Yes, I graduate in May, so hopefully we'll have more time once I graduate. (laughs) That's so nice. I do not graduate in May. Maybe May of next year. Yeah, Kayla has a little bit longer. I mean, the following year. Yeah. That's okay. 24? Yeah, I think it might be more like October 2024 because I'll have the capstone or an internship, but I want to go for the internship with my company so I could just stay in the spot. Yeah. No, once... Once I graduate, things will be better because I'll be able to edit and, like, you know, take mm-hmm. over a lot of this stuff. It's going to be great. It's going to be fine. For now, we just have to ride the wave. And you guys get episodes when you get episodes. We love you. <laughs> <laughs> also, it just depends on my classes, too, because some are a little bit more demanding than others. And they never use the same technology, which is kind of infuriating. Yeah. Big learning curve. Yeah. And last semester. as soon as you get the hang of it, it's yeah. just new. And or last semester. Next semester is my last semester, so I'm hoping that it's not too crazy, but, Mm -hmm. you know, we'll figure it out when we get there. Yeah, we will. Anyway, this week, I will be covering the murder of Tina Watson. I've never heard of her, but I might know the case. Yeah, I think you'll know the case. All right. Okay, let's get into it. Hold on, let me get you in corner. Christina Mae Thomas, who went by Tina was born in West Germany on February 13th, 1977, before relocating to the U.S. while still a baby. Um, In January 1980, Tina was legally adopted by her parents Tommy and Cindy Thomas. Also, the dad's name is Tommy Thomas. Kind of weird. I love him, though. It's no shade. (laughs) His parents were like, yeah, let's just just make this kid be bullied for his whole life. Doesn't he sound like a, uh, like a, a train? Tommy Thomas? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> also, is his name Thomas Thomas, and he goes by Tommy? Like, there's just so many questions with that name, but... <laughs> that would just be ridiculous. That would be evil. We would have to we would have to hold a seance just to ask the parents what they thought, <laughs> what they were thinking. What, is, what yeah. is this? The family lived in Walker County, Alabama, with Tina's younger Ugh. sister, before they eventually moved to Louisiana, and then winding up in Birmingham, which is a super cute city that I love. Oh, yeah? Yeah. (laughs) As a child, Tina was diagnosed with paroxysmal superventricular tachycardia, also known as PSVT, and that's what we're going to call it. So what's that? (laughs) Okay, so it's a heart condition that causes an abnormally fast heart rate rhythm Accompanied by Hmm. palpitations, lightheadedness, sweating, shortness of breath, yada, yada, yada. Okay. I don't like that. 
Unfortunately, the medications weren't helping Tina when she became an adult. So at the age of 24, she underwent what some sources call a minor surgery. But like in my eyes, she's going in for heart surgery. So it's pretty major. But whatever, I'm yeah. not a surgeon. Yeah. so. <laughs> well, on the Horse for Horror Surgeon podcast, it's a major surgery. <laughs> yeah. And according to Grey's like that. Anatomy, that'd be a major surgery. Yeah, you're going to say it's minor, but you're cutting into my heart. I don't think so. Yeah. But everything went well during the surgery, and so by all accounts, she would be able to live a relatively normal life. So Tina went on to attend the University of Alabama at Birmingham, and that is where she first met David Gabriel Watson, who we're going to call Gabe. So according to Gabe, when he first saw Tina, he was like, completely smitten with her oh and also i have photos on the drive that kayla's gonna be able to look at but i'm also gonna upload them to our instagram for you guys to look at so make sure you follow us the link is in the show notes so it gets kind of weird though because gabe even admitted that he broke into the school's administration system to schedule himself in some of tina's classes which like it was cute when you said you were smitten with her, but it's not cute when you're, like, literally forcing yourself into her life. I don't think that's cute. Oliver also agrees it's not cute. <laughs> you heard that. It's kind of stalkerish. Um, don't like yeah. it. Yeah. Very creepy. There's, like, there's a fine line yeah. between, oh, my gosh, that's really adorable, and, oh, my gosh, that's really fucking creepy. Yeah. And, like, oh, you might actually be kind of dangerous. So, um... When they first met, Tina was actually engaged to another man, but David's, why did I say that? But Gabe still asked her out, and Tina said no. But just a short See, time. I don't like that. Yeah. Like, if he didn't know and he asked her out and then he realized, cool, but, like, she's engaged. She very obviously knows that she wants somebody else. Yeah, leave her the fuck alone. But yeah, Tina ended up saying no because, allegedly, her mother didn't approve of her fiancé. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So he's out of the picture. It comes to New Year's Eve, and Tina and Gabe actually found each other at the same party, and Gabe asked her out again, and this time Tina said yes. So the two... I will bet you he thinks she said no because of him. Yeah, absolutely. And he thinks, oh, now I have a shot. And at this point, like, you know, we only have this one account or, like, one account that he asked her out. Mm. But I'm sure he just pestered her and pestered her, and eventually she was like, I could love this guy. And then they, she <laughs> loved him, by all accounts. I could love him if he stops harassing me. <laughs> <laughs> like, the fuck? Uh, so Tina and Gabe officially started dating in January 2001. They both go on to graduate University of Alabama and begin their careers. So... As if we don't already hate Gabe, he goes on to work at his father's company, but he works as a bubble wrap salesman, which like... Love it. (laughs) How do you sell bubble wrap? Doesn't it sell itself? Like, you know when you need bubble wrap. (laughs) I'm not just like He's like, did you know that bubble wrap used to be made just for use as wallpaper? Did you know that? (laughs) Don't you want to buy more of it? Like, (laughs) how... Like, I don't keep spare bubble wrap on hand, so I'm just like, who are you? Obviously, like, he'd be selling it to companies, right? Whatever. Anyway. Maybe. But, like, there's different kinds of bubble wrap now. 
And maybe this was around but when, this like, was the 2001. bag of air came around. When did the bag of air come around? Because it's a direct competitor to bubble wrap. Amazon time. I don't know. <laughs> uh, while Tina went on to become the manager of the children's department in what sounded like a very fancy store. It was located in a Galleria, which, like, St. Louis Ooh. has a really good Galleria mall. I can get down the with Cheesecake that. Factory is there. Yeah. And all the while, their relationship grew more serious. Yay. That's good. I mean, hopefully they were happy. Well, at some point, they were pretty happy because Gabe asked Tina's father, Tommy, permission to marry his daughter. Okay. And so, according to Tommy, he didn't really say yes, but he didn't really (laughs) say no. So, Gabe took that as a big fat yes. Okay. All right. (laughs) Okay. Oh, wait. Hold on. I didn't write this down, but... (laughs) Okay, Tommy did this interview where he was like, well, why do you want to marry my daughter? And Gabe was like, because we're comfortable together. No. Okay. No, I'm sorry. If Steven was like, yeah, because we're comfortable together, I'd be like, not because you love me. (laughs) Super romantic. Very good choice. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) Just like the the low level effort. Well, because I don't really have to try that hard. Yeah, we're just comfortable. No, honey. Like, the fuck? (laughs) I hate Gabe, so I'm just going to drag him throughout this whole episode. (laughs) Okay. Eventually, he bought a ring, and what he did with that ring really rubbed Tina's family, friends, and me the wrong way. He buys the ring, and one day Tina goes over to his house, and there's this bag from the jewelry store sitting on top of his TV. And again, this is 2001 time frame, so like, it's not a flat screen TV. It has like the big fat back where you can like put shit on it. It's like the tube TV, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if y'all know what those are, but we know. (laughs) Hey, some of our listeners know what those are. Yeah. So Tina sees it and she gets ready to look in it because like it's just sitting out. And Gabe says something to the effect of, you look in there and I'm going to take it back. And that fucking bag. (laughs) You talk to me like that again and I'm going to kick your ass out of my house. Exactly. But Kayla, this fucking bag stayed in that spot. For the next six months, just haunting I'd Tina. I'd throw it in the garbage. I would throw <laughs> it in the fucking garbage. I would look at it so fast. I fucking hate secrets and I hate surprises. I would look in there so fast. I wouldn't even, I'd be like, okay, bye. <laughs> That's manipulation and like a power grab on his part. That's, I don't like that at all. Yeah, he's like dangling the prospect Am of being I married. Am I your fucking child? Do I need you to teach me a lesson? No. Oh, but... According to Gabe, he wasn't taunting her. He was just waiting for the right time because he wanted it to be special and perfect. And, like, if that was the case, you would have hid the ring so she wouldn't even know. You ruined it when you decided to do that stupid-ass, dumb boy shit. Yeah. Um, But apparently the perfect time came on Easter Sunday in April 2003. Gabe hid the ring inside of a plastic Easter egg, which, like... You didn't even try to make this special. Lame. And Tina accepted Was it the at least her favorite color? I would fucking hope, but Tina accepted <laughs> He doesn't the even proposal. know her favorite color. <laughs> he probably put it in her least favorite color. Right? <laughs> so Tina accepted, and the two set a date for later that fall on October 11th, 2003, which, like, perfect day to get married. I would de- October 11th is in the range of where I would like to get married, too. Yeah, that would be cute. Um, also, Tina. Girl. We need, we need to talk. We need to talk. 
We got a mini podcast that we're going to start just for you. Yeah. Oh, that's, oh yeah, surprise. Eventually, Kayla and I are going to have a mini podcast. Stay tuned. We'll eventually talk about that when we have more time. (laughs) Also, like right now, we're just gaining life experience so we can tell you all of our faults (laughs) and how not to recreate them. Stay tuned. I am deep in the middle of it right now. (laughs) I can't wait for all my insights for you guys later. Okay. So Tina's parents were not exactly thrilled with her choice of partner, and me neither. Same. They thought this relationship was a little bit one-sided. Cindy, Tina's mom, told Tina that she straight up did not like Gabe. And Tina was like, oh, you never give anyone a chance. You ran off my last fiancé. I love him, blah, blah, blah. I mean... To be fair. <laughs> to be fair, she did run off her last fiance. She did. And I would say the exact same thing of like, you never exactly. give anyone a chance. <laughs> yeah. So then Cindy was like, okay, you know, Tina loves him. So maybe I'm like missing something here. And Cindy stopped pressing the issue. Hmm. Okay. Well, I mean, that's good. That's respectful. Yeah. I can respect that. So Cindy and Tommy said, or they still say, in interviews that the relationship was very one-sided and that Gabe was very controlling and very obsessive and I would say especially with the ring incident so Tina was making great strides to do what Gabe liked and those strides included scuba diving lessons no when Tina (laughs) and Gabe met Gabe was a certified scuba diver and even a certified rescue diver Wow, is this foreshadowing? (laughs) Y'all. Okay, here's the worst part, though, too. Gabe told Tina that if they wanted the relationship to work and to grow closer, Tina needed to participate in his interest. Okay. So he also needs to participate in her interest. Exactly. Did he? And, And notice, hold on, but let's notice that this podcast, none of this is about Tina's interests because nobody fucking knows what they are. Because all she did Because was, he didn't know what yeah, they were. He didn't, he didn't care. Know. He was like, oh my god, she's so pretty. I have to have her. Oh, it gets it gets worse, dude. In 2003, Tina began taking scuba diving lessons. And this was like really out of character for her because according to her friends, she wouldn't even get her hair wet in the swimming pool. And they all joked that she did that like, you know, weird doggy paddle to like keep her hair mm-hmm. dry. I mean, she probably didn't like deep water like that. Yeah. A lot of people don't. It's an actual fear. I would never scuba dive. I've been snorkeling. I would never scuba dive. I want to scuba dive because it looks so pretty, but I also have an immense fear of, like, dark blue ocean, so I probably would. Yep, and it's all around you, by the way. It's terrifying. It is fucking terrifying. If you have never felt... Like, all of the hair stand up on the, like, on the back of your neck and, like, get that creepy spine tingling running up your spine and it won't go away. Just get in deep water. It'll happen. <laughs> okay, it's quick, real creepy. quick story. My cousin Robin and I, we went, oh my gosh, when was this? Oh, it was a couple years ago. But we went on, like, a spring break trip with our grandmas. It was a bunch of fun. And we went to PCB and... We rented jet skis for, like, an hour so we could go out. And they were like, yeah, you have to go out, like, where the water gets really deep. So 
if you've never been to PCB, like, the water is just really pretty light blue, but then it gets darker as you go out because, like, it's the fucking ocean. So that's where you have to do all the jet skiing. And at one point, Robin fell off the jet ski, and I think I literally had a panic attack trying to get her back on because I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, get on, get on, get on. Because <laughs> I've seen too many fucking shark yeah. movies, too. I was like, get the fuck on this If thing. I ever, yeah, if I ever saw a shark in the middle of deep blue fucking ocean, you wouldn't, like... I wouldn't die from the shark. I'd die from the heart attack I would have immediately. Yeah. I mean, Robin... I don't really... Sorry. Robin literally got on and she was like, yeah, I'm really glad that I fell off and not you because you would have had a panic attack in the ocean. And she's right. I absolutely would have. (laughs) Yeah. And I am kind of uncomfortable with releasing this to all of our listeners because if one of you is a serial killer... Or they're just, just wants to dabble in murder. The ocean. They're like, <laughs> they're like, oh, we're just gonna listen to this podcast and figure out all of the things about these girls. I'm just like, <laughs> no, no, thank you. What I'm actually afraid of, in case you're wondering, is flowers and million, my allergies. A million dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's those yeah, are the two actually. things: flowers and a million dollars. Yeah, maybe fudge brownies. Um, oh yeah, that's good. Yeah, deathly allergic to chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> So Tina's parents were more than just like a little bit worried and thought this was out of character. They actually thought this was extremely dangerous for her because if you remember, Tina has that PSVT diagnosis. Oh yeah, she should, okay, you should not be like messing with like water pressure yeah. and your heart. I feel like I feel like she would not have been able to be cleared to do that. And Well, she had the surgery, so maybe, I, I would hope that she would, like, get cleared from a doctor before she started this, but I didn't find but, any of that in my sources. Yeah, probably not, because if he's already a certified scuba diver, he's just going to do it himself. And he's a rescue diver, which, like, okay, we'll get to this. So, uh, more importantly, blah, 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 they felt like she was being pushed into something she wasn't interested in. And when they brought this up to Tina, she assured them that this is what she wanted to do. And she didn't need to worry because Gabe was a certified rescue diver. So he would just save her if anything happened. Right. Which, like, yeah. But, like, Tina's trying to make her relationship work. And, like, she wants to do it because it's the interest of her partner. And And he'll protect her. She thinks he will. Which, like, but he's not doing... I'm assuming that he's he didn't do anything that she wanted him to do. Then, in September of 2003, which is a month before they got married, Tina asked her father to increase her life insurance and make Gabe the sole beneficiary. And allegedly, this all came, was brought on by Gabe. Gabe asked her to do this. You don't say. <laughs> um, that is just funny. I will say this is a really bad look, but not to like, you know, the insurance money was only, it was only $130,000. Mm-hmm. So it's, that's not life changing amount of money, but whatever. No. And I can get, if like you're about to get married, you would sit down and look at your finances and like your insurance and shit and go, oh, well your insurance is very low. You probably need to bump that up. We're anyway. married now. Like and this is about would both be of us. the beneficiary. Like I get that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Tommy was really cool, though. He brushed it off, and he was like, you know, there's no need to rush this. You just need to plan your wedding, go to your honeymoon, and then, like, we'll deal with this when you get back. So he was like, we'll just wait, and Tina agreed. Um, Then, on October 11th, Tina and Gabe got married. 
According to her friends and family, she spent the entire day beaming and she couldn't stop smiling. Her mother later described Tina as a, quote, girly girl, stating that she, quote, always, 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 since she was a little itty-bitty girl, wanted a princess wedding. And during their photos that day, Tina kept telling her mother, quote, I'm a princess, I'm a princess bride. Aw. Aw. I love it. But also, Disney did that to yeah. all of us. <laughs> I also want to be a princess bride. Um, <laughs> but people in attendance stated, well, there's no but. People in attendance stated that Gabe and Tina made for a beautiful couple and they appeared to be very much in love. Like nothing went awry in this entire wedding. That's nice. It's good. So at the end of the night, the duo got into the elevator to leave the reception, but Tina's dad, like, he did like that dad thing, you know, where they stick their arms in the elevator doors, it's closing, and then he entered and gave Tina one last hug and said, baby girl, go have the time of your life. And then he turned and he grabbed Gabe and he said, take good care of my daughter. Which, like, if you know nothing about this podcast, that was the last time he would see Tina alive. Eleven days later, Tina Watson died on her honeymoon. Hmm. Okay. For their honeymoon, Tina and Gabe had planned a two-week trip to Australia. So the first week would be, like, Tina's week, where they would spit... Wow. Where they would be in Sydney, they would sightsee, eat delicious food, go shopping, like, kind of do all the things she wanted to do. And then after that, they would travel to Townsville, Australia, where they would board a ship and spend a week at sea performing a series of scuba dives at the Great Barrier Reef, which like, that's one hell of a fucking honeymoon. That's like a once in a lifetime trip. It is. And I like the fact that they split it up into one week was what everything she wanted to do in one week was everything he wanted to do. Yes. Would I be comfortable scuba diving at the Great Barrier Reef? <laughs> no. I would love to see but the Great me. Barrier Reef, but I don't know if I want to, like, go down there. I'd be like, oh, yeah, I yeah, can yeah, see yeah. it from up here. Yep, it's blue. And then... <laughs> no, But, I like, would. that's how much she liked this guy. She did scuba diving lessons so that they could go do that on their honeymoon. Yeah. Right? That's how much she likes this guy. The effort that women put in is just substantial. It is unmatched the majority of the time. Very unmatched. And so for Gabe, this was like the trip of a lifetime, you know, like we were just saying. He'd been thinking about actually doing this trip solo, and his wife had actually offered it as a like a college graduation. His wife, his grandma had offered to fund it as like a college graduation gift for him. But now, like everyone was saying that Gabe was excited to share this with his new wife and that he was like, I don't have to do this solo. My wife is enjoying scuba diving. We get to do this together. We're super excited. That's good. I like that. The first leg of the trip went great. They left two days after the wedding, spent the days in Sydney, taking it all in. And then on October 21st, the two traveled to Townsville. So they arrived there at night. It was like 10 p.m. They boarded a ship called the Spoil Sport. And over this last week, well, over the course of this last week, they had actually planned to complete 25 dives, averaging no. around four to five per day. Isn't that no, crazy? No, that's so much. Like, that doesn't sound fun. <laughs> I'm just no, gonna No, it say. sounds chaotic and like way too much. And also you have to take into account the pressure and like the time you need to spend out of the water. Four to five a day seems a lot I for a regular person. <laughs> Not to mention, she still has a heart condition. Yup. Around this time, 
Gabe had completed over 55 dives. So he's like well experienced. He knows how to dive. And Tina had only completed five. No, she should not be doing these. this mm-hmm. one. And also, she should I've, not be doing that. I've heard, you know, that the Great Barrier Reef is actually a really, like some of the dives around it are actually really difficult because it has a really heavy current. Actually, Zac yeah. Efron has that really good show, Down to Earth, on Netflix. And in mm-hmm. one of his episodes, they dive the Great Barrier Reef. It is so cool. And they also go through this, like, um, like this... I don't know. I think it's like a nonprofit that is helping to rebuild the Great Barrier Reef. It's a great show. If no one has watched it, I highly recommend that you watch it. Also, it's Zach Efron. So, and he's shirtless half the time. Really great. <laughs> <laughs> so, once the couple boarded the ship, they actually went to sleep in their cabin and they awoke the next morning to find the ship moored at their first dive, which was the Yongala. Hopefully, I said that right. The SS Yongala is actually a passenger ship that sank in 1911 and every passenger aboard died. So since then, it has become kind of like a reef of its own, you know, corals growing all over it, fish live in it, and now it's become this super popular dive site right next to the Great Barrier Reef. That's really interesting, though, that like a tragedy like that can turn into something so beautiful. Yeah, and like sustain life in another way. So this dive is actually considered one of the more difficult dives planned for this week, but the dive masters had said like, hey, you know, this is the only day that the weather is going to be decent for this dive, so we should really move it up. That morning, all the divers were briefed on what was going to happen, because it wasn't just Tina and Gabe, there were like other couples there, other people there Mm -hmm. that were on this excursion. So the dive masters went over, you know, the visibility, the current, and safety procedures should anything happen. And this dive actually follows a very set routine. So the divers are taken from the spoil sport onto a different, like, littler boat out to a Mm. buoy. And so from that buoy, the divers actually get in the water and they follow a chain, a permanent chain, from the buoy down to the bow of the SS Yongala And then the divers let go of the chain and the current essentially floats you over the deck of the shipwreck. And you can take it all in, like the coral, the fish, everything. And it's just like the current is just drifting you, which like does Mm -hmm. sound really cool. The divers then float in the current to another buoy where a separate chain is attached. And then they follow that to the surface. So it's called like a drift dive after everything. I don't know. I've never scuba dived. Like if that's wrong, don't at me. But at this site, again, the current is really strong, so it requires you to be an experienced diver. And the company knows that, like the company that put all this together. So they have a company policy that each diver is questioned alone about their diving skills, and then depending on their answers, they're going to be offered like an orientation dive by the dive master to like get you ready for what's going to happen. But for some reason, this policy wasn't followed today. Gabe and Tina were actually questioned about their skill levels together, and then they were offered to have the orientation dive together. But Gabe was like, no, you know, I'm good. I'm an experienced diver. I got this. Don't worry. I, 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 I. The two didn't disclose that Tina, you know, doesn't have very many dives, but also Tina had never dived in open water. She got her certification in a flooded quarry in Alabama, and Gabe himself 
had only completed a handful of open water dives. So they are not fucking ready for what's about to happen down there. Which, like, I don't fuck with that. So when people are confident and they're like, yeah, I can do it. I'm like, oh, I, I, don't, I don't mess with, Mm-mm. like, water Mm-mm. shit. So. No. No, no. Or, like, ocean shit, I should say. I'll get on the lake and I'll, like, you know, do some crazy stuff. But in the ocean, like, I'm not, I'm not going to mess with this at all. Mm-mm. No, because if that was me, I would be like, I'm not confident enough I'm to not do this doing dive. This I want, dive, yeah. I at least want the orientation. Like I went rock climbing the other day, and I've been rock climbing before, and I still did their orientation. Fuck yeah. Because I want to know what the heck is going on at your facility, like. And also, I would hate to like get in the water and panic and not like it just makes so much more sense to like no matter what your skill level is to do the orientation dive. Yeah, because, like, even if you didn't necessarily need it, it's a good refresher. So you can be like, oh, shit, yeah. That's what I got to do. Because when you're in the water, if you're panicking, like, unless you're just super experienced, you're just, you're going to forget shit. Unless you've just heard it, and then you're going to be like, oh, I just heard this. Yes. And it's just nice to always have a refresher. Like, you just should do the orientation dive. Okay. So a couple hours after the briefing, everyone is ready to go. Gabe and Tina put on their wetsuits, they strap on their tanks, and they enter the water with four other divers at this time. Couples or, like, some of the dive masters, too? Just, like, other, not the dive masters. Well, I'm sure, like, some dive masters, I would assume some were there, but it's just, like, other people that were on the trip. So, like, couples could be, like, singles, you know, whatever. They're in the water for just, like, two minutes, and then Gabe and Tina return to the surface. So Gabe was like, yep, something is wrong with my dive computer, which is essentially like this like little wristwatch computer that you wear and it like tracks, Mm. you know, where you are, Mm. your oxygen levels, like Mm -hmm. all that shit. So he said that something wasn't registering and that it was beeping at him as soon as they began their descent. So Gabe gets back out onto that little ship. He takes the batteries out, flips them around, puts them back in. And then it's working. Like, all the dive masters are like, yep, it's working now. You should be good to go. So so Tina went with him. Into the water. And then they both came back up. Okay. And now... Which I would, too, because I'm not... Fuck yeah. Like, I'm going to obviously... Also, I'm trying to experience this with him. Like, if it was, I'm trying to yeah, be yeah, like, yeah, if it was Steven and I, I'd be like, oh, I'll, I'll wait for you. Like, I'll, I'll come up yeah, to you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I would, I would, I would absolutely do He's that. He's my dive buddy. But she also had a dive computer, right? Yeah. Okay. Everyone does. Cool. Good. I was okay. gonna say, I'm, I'm pretty sure you have to. Yeah. I think that's like how you know, like, your oxygen and shit. Yeah. So everyone has And one. one more thing, like, was it actually malfunctioning or did he do that? So we he don't. Could get so his that. GPS off. So we don't know, and that's actually going to be contested later on. Oh, okay. Excuse um, me. I watch a lot of true crime. <laughs> <laughs> so Gabe and Tina, they're like, "Yep, everything's good." They get back in the water. Then, like seven minutes later, Gabe resurfaced alone. So he appears. He's in distress, saying that he needs help, but more accurately, Tina needed help. So Gabe is, like, telling everyone on the ship, like, oh, my God, you know, the currents were way heavier. It was, like, way stronger than we were expecting. As soon as we got under, under Tina signaled that she wanted to come back up. And, like, so they may have drifted a little bit because, you know, you're supposed to, like, hold on to the chain as you go down and then you drift back. So yeah, Gabe was, like. you can't. Yeah. You have to follow the route. So Gabe was, like, Tina told me that she wanted to go up. She gave the signal for up. 
And that's what they started to do. Gabe said that when he looked at Tina, she had like, it was distressed. She was very distressed. So he grabs Tina and goes to guide, this is all according to Gabe, goes to guide her back to the rope. But at some point, Tina panics, as you fucking would if you weren't prepared for the situation. And he knocks out Gabe's regulator, the thing that like gives him air, and his mask. And so for one second, Gabe claims that he had to let her go and reposition everything. And by the time he could see again, Tina was meters below him and was sinking fast, faster than he could get to her. So he decides to leave and he returns to the surface. And he, he said that he came back to the surface so fast that he thought he ruptured his eardrum. Um, how far down are they at that point? So I, I don't know how far down they were. They're like seven minutes into the dive. Okay. And why is she sinking? So, okay. So I had to like look this up a little bit. They have like a weighted belt whenever you scuba dive apparently and you can like add weight to it that makes you sink or you could essentially inflate it which makes you rise so there's like it like helps you like so is it like an electronic it's like a thing so I don't know where it is but from my understanding anyone can control it on you so like as a rescue diver Gabe should have known that he needed to inflate or deflate whichever it is so that she could come back up and not go down so he probably added more weight. Well, we'll get to that. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Because if so, she's sinking fast, my dude. Alleg- alleged to him. And and you're a rescue diver. Yep. Why wouldn't you add weight diver. to yours? Go get her. Inflate hers. And so that she can at least, like, rise. Yeah, inflate both of yours together so you can yep. rise together. Yep. Gabe gets to the surface. He's like asking for help. He's explaining what happened. You know, dive masters, as soon as he was like, I don't know where Tina is, they fucking leap into the water. Like everyone's on high alert. They're all looking for Tina. Another diver that was in the area, his name is Dr. Stanley Stutz, said that he saw something was going on with Tina and Gabe, Tina and Gabe, and it looked like Gabe gave Tina a big bear hug. And then all of a sudden she was like flailing around and Dr. Stanley was coming back to the surface. So he didn't see the rest of what was happening. Okay. All right. So just remember that there's an eyewitness saying that Gabe gave her a bear hug and then she starts flailing. A dive master named Wade Singleton managed to find Tina on the ocean floor. And so he brought her back up. At this point, Tina had been underwater for like 10 minutes. That's, that's all that's passed between Gabe telling them and the dive master going back down. Total 10 minutes. So like 10, 10 minutes from, so then only three minutes because they were in the water for seven minutes. Yeah. So, so they only, found her in three minutes. So they found her fast. And okay. I haven't decided if I'm going to upload it to the Instagram, but there's a photo in the drive that you can look at, Kayla, and it's called, I think I named it like the final image of Tina, and it's literally a photo, like it's a photo someone took of his wife, and then in the background, Tina's lying on the ocean floor. It's like really fucked up. Wait, so who is this a picture of? Wait, so the, who's it, the like, guy? random people. It's random people. That were like on the dive and they were taking photos of each other and they captured Tina in the background. Holy shit, okay. 
in the area, there's like multiple dive boats because like multiple dives are going on all over the place. So Wade brought Tina back to the closest one, which was separate from the boat that Gabe was on. So Wade and another crew member named Uzi Barney, very sorry if I pronounced your name wrong, but they performed CPR on Tina for over 40 minutes and they were unsuccessful. She died. Holy shit. And that's the thing, like, she has... Mm. Well, by all accounts, this is like a tragic accident. By all accounts, Tina is healthy. Like, her PSVT or whatever is, like, not cured, but it's, like, managed through the surgery. She's a young 20-year-old. Like, she's on her honeymoon. And so this appears, like, just this, like, freak accident where Tina died. So the police end up conducting, like, a standard death investigation. But Gabe seems to be acting pretty suspicious. Not to tell you how to get away with murder, but, like, compose yourself. Right? (laughs) Damn, dude. I imagine it's, like, uh, on The Incredibles where the doctor slaps her. What does she say? She's, like, compose yourself, like, back (laughs) (laughs) Like, get it together. If you're gonna have the balls to kill somebody, have the fucking common decency to try to get away with it. Yeah. Well, I think people, like... (laughs) kill people and they don't understand like oh my god i just ended a fucking human being's life so then they freak out okay moving on everyone else who was on the dive that day was an extremely experienced diver like had over like you know 80 dives they knew what the fuck they were doing and so then they question why gabe who knew that tina had no open water diving experience and let alone like minimal diving experience let Tina get in the water. And why didn't he tell the instructors? Which like, I'm conflicted on that because Tina's a grown woman, but also like if Steven and I were in this situation, I wouldn't let Steven get in. I'd be like, nope, this is too much. Like you shouldn't be on this dive. And you don't even have to say it in that manner. You can say, I want the orientation training. We should do it together. Because if they're questioning them together, then that's what I would do. I'd be like, no, let's just get it just in case. Yeah. It'll just be good. I would, so like, and that's the thing is like, before I even went, like I have to put myself in these situations. So I'm imagining I'm like signing up for this and I would tell them, I would be like, hey, you know, I'm with my spouse who has limited dive experience. Like I'm a pretty experienced diver, but he doesn't. So like, I need to make sure that he's going to be okay no matter what, because he's the love of my life. And so why didn't Gabe do that? Exactly. But, but like, you've been planning this. So like, why wouldn't, like if this was if this was planned and I had no experience and that's the place I was going to, I'm the type of person who's going to do research on it and if it, it's considered an experienced dive and I have to use the fucking current to get to my next location, I'm going to make sure I can A, swim against a fucking current and have enough experience to like save myself yeah, when I go down there. Exactly. And that I would be like ready for it and also I would just like I'm the kind of person that if I don't know something I'm gonna take advantage of like every free resource that there fucking is I'm gonna be like orientation dive right now I want a dive master with me like I'm ready for this but like I'm gonna need help because I'm not experienced and I'm being honest with you exactly so it's just hard it's hard I hate it I actually really hate this case (laughs) Um, (laughs) you chose it I know The police were like, hey, you know, Gabe, you're a certified rescue diver. 
how can you make the grave mistake of leaving your dive buddy behind? So apparently in the dive world, this is like a big thing. Like you don't leave your dive buddy behind. And they even have like alternative air sources. So like everyone had like an extra on them. So should something happen into their buddy, they could like give their air to their buddy and still breathe themselves. That's what, see, that's what I was, that's what I thought was so weird. Like, why would he leave her? And especially if he's a rescue diver. Yeah, like certified. I, I can't, like, I can't stress that enough. Someone certified that man to rescue people. But I just, and I also don't understand, how is he a certified rescue diver if he's barely been in open water? Yeah, I, uh-huh, how can you certify someone with that? You want to rescue me from the fucking pool, my guy? Right? Because I don't need it. Thank you. But... <clears throat> In that picture of her, like, laying on the ocean floor, very obviously, they're all down on the ocean floor, or at least, like, a couple meters from it. So, why wouldn't he go get her? Why would he go all the way back to the top? Uh-huh. It doesn't, it doesn't really, it doesn't make sense. And I think that's the problem with this story, is that it doesn't make sense why that was your first reaction. Unless you're just, like... So here's another thing, and we'll get into, like, what we think at the end, but, like, what if this dude is just a dumbass who, like, thinks that he's super (laughs) confident? No, like, seriously, like, what if he's just, like, I'm super confident, I have the certification, I can do this, and we know people like this. And then he fucking freaked out. Yeah, and then he couldn't do it, and someone died because of this. Like, that's the problem with people that are, like, I can do anything. Like, no, you fucking can't. (laughs) It seems like toxic masculinity to me, like... Just do the fucking work to to back up your confidence level, like. But it, but I think you're right. I think it's like a toxic masculinity thing where he's like, I don't need it. I've dived. I'm a certified rescue diver. I don't need your fucking orientation. I'm gonna take care of my wife, and then he didn't. Over the next couple of hours following Tina's death, Gabe was obviously questioned by the police, and he, you know, keeps telling the same story that he grabbed her. She was flailing, he had to let go of her, and then she was just, like, floating beneath him, or sinking beneath him. But according to the investigators, Gabe's story kept changing slightly, and I'm not sure, like, how slightly, but apparently he gave 16 different accounts of what happened that day. Hello? Yeah, and I don't know if it's, like, you know, we were going, and then all of a sudden she knocked it off. Oh, wait, just kidding, it just fell off. Like, I don't know what the varying accounts are. So weird. So the investigators then confiscated Gabe's Gabe's dive computer and his account did not match what the computer revealed. Most significantly, the computer recorded the amount of time it took for Gabe to surface when he was trying to get help for Tina. And so while Gabe told everyone that he came back to the surface as fast as he could, even thinking he ruptured his eardrums, the computer revealed that he ascended at a leisurely rate. So he was just hmm. kind of like, nee, 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 nee. which like, <laughs> okay, I can't, what if the leisurely rate, because he was in conditions he wasn't familiar with, what if the leisurely rate was as fast as he could go? Like, I don't know. It's just like, I can see every side from this. So it's really hard. I can too. So wait, what is this? What's this shipwreck called again? The SS Yongala. I want to see how far down it is. Because, like, if it's not that far down to the ocean floor, then 
you could theoretically ascend faster than what you should or what is recommended and still be okay. Oh wow, more than 10,000 divers visit the site every year. It's 361 feet long, meaning that it's one of the largest, most intact shipwrecks. That's really cool. I don't see how far down it is. 30, okay. The SS Yongala sits at a depth of approximately 33 meters. It's quite a distance down. It's about 100 feet down. Okay, so I think where, this is my limited knowledge of scuba diving, you can theoretically snorkel down to 50 because don't feet. people like free dive down to that? Down yeah. to down to about fifty feet, and then after that, that's where the pressure starts like really fucking with you, and you need a dive suit. So, I mean, and also like he's not as experienced as he thinks he is. He's never been like he doesn't go in open water. The current is super strong. So like, really though, like what if the leisurely rate is as fast as he could go? But also, I'm like, yeah, fuck you, guy. Whatever. No, and I, I get that. We could give him the benefit of the doubt on this because, like, I'm, I'm not fucking with the bins. Like, I'm not. And I'm sure he wouldn't either. So, like, he probably went up as fast as he thought he could go, which, you know, as for as experienced as you need to be for this dive would be considered a leisurely rate. Which is why, at the same time, you should have just gone to get your wife. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, all I'm that's what I would have done. So the day after Tina died, a forensic autopsy was performed and there were signs of air embolism and the coroner marked her death or her cause of death as drowning, but noted that there's very little water in her lungs. Okay, what's an air, what's an air embolism? Oh, I knew you were going to ask that. I didn't look it up. Uh, let me look it up. Let me look it up. A blockage of blood supply caused by air bubbles in the blood vessel or the heart. So it's just the bends, right? Is it? So she had like air in her in her blood. Lung. Okay, it can be caused by air introduced into circulation during a surgical procedure, lung overexpansion and injury, decompression, and a few other causes. Okay, decompression. Probably because she like went down so fast. I would imagine, right? Yeah, that that's probably what killed her. What? No, I mean that is what killed her. That's yeah. According to well, that. her. Cause of death was marked as drowning, but... When Tina's family was informed of her death, like, you know, they were obviously devastated, but they were also adamant that this was no mistake. Mm-hmm. And so they pressed Australian authorities to launch a formal investigation against Dave... Dave? Against Gabe, because they believed that he'd murdered Tina and he'd been planning it the whole time. Probably. In the meantime, while all that's happening behind the scenes, Gabe and Tina's body returned stateside where a funeral's planned. According to Tina's friends and family, Gabe acted really strange at her funeral. Standing in Which front of- Which is not necessarily an indicator, I'm just saying. Yeah, but let's listen to what he's But saying. also fuck this guy. So he was standing in front of the open casket, because it was an open casket funeral- and Gabe allegedly turned to her friends and said, quote, at least her breasts look perky, end quote. I will slap the shit out of you, you stupid fucking I bitch. I probably would have punched him in the head. Like, no, go I fuck yourself. I would have. I hate that shit. Later that very same year, which is like two months after her death, Gabe sent Christmas cards to everyone, including Tina's family. And within the Christmas card was a photo of him and Tina at the wedding. And he wrote, quote, 
who's that sexy guy next to Tina? Oh yeah, that's me, end quote. Which, like, what the fuck? This dude has fucking problems. He is mentally unstable. Like, Who raised him? Seriously, like, what the fuck is that? You're not funny. No, it's You're not funny at all. Idiot. It's horrible. Yeah, it's fucking stupid. Fuck and it. then there's this Jesus. whole situation with the gravesite. Where Tina was going to be laid to rest was, like, this whole argument between Tina, Tina's family and Gabe. So her family had, like, you know a family cemetery that they buried everyone and that's where they wanted her to be. But Gabe wanted her to actually be laid to rest at another site. Okay, no offense, but you were married for 11 days. I know. <laughs> Ultimately, Gabe got to choose because they were legally married. But like you said, they were married for like two seconds. It shouldn't fucking count. Yeah, yeah. So Tina's laid to rest where Gabe wanted, but every time her parents would come and they would put flowers and trinkets and, you know, just like things on her grave to remember her by, they would disappear. Um, eventually her family even started bolting them down and securing them with chains, and yet someone would still take them. <laughs> so finally her parents were like, what the fuck? They go to the police the police are like, yeah, we'll set up, like, a hidden camera. Let's see what's going on. See, I would have skipped the police. I would have just set up my own hidden I know, camera. I yeah. But this is, like, 2001. Her parents are old, so, like, you know. The oh. camera, or I guess it's, like, 2003. 2003. Three or four. Yeah. Three or four, yeah. So the camera captures Gabe using bolt cutters to tear down the flowers and trinkets that were left on Tina's grave. So the family's obviously like, what the fuck, Gabe? And he said that the items they were leaving were gaudy and tacky and that Tina would not have liked them. So he was actually on Tina's side in all of this. Oh, bro, I'm sure you know exactly what she would have liked. Like, who does that? That's so you know what she would have liked? Not being murdered. Yeah, being alive. She probably didn't even like scuba diving. But anyway. Probably didn't. Definitely doesn't now. Yeah. Oh, that was morbid. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So Tina's parents keep pushing Australia for a formal investigation, and in 2007, Australian authorities agreed. That's a long time. Could they have had a second autopsy in the States? Yeah, maybe like a private one, I would bet. Mm -hmm. I probably would have done that. I didn't see anything about it. But in November 2007, a coronial inquiry was held, which is basically like the U.S.'s coroner inquest. So the coroner looked at a number of issues. Gabe was Tina's dive buddy, yet he didn't inflate her buoyancy control device or remove her weight belt. So those are the things. That's what I said. He didn't share his alternative air source with her. Um, they also noted that when Tina was brought to the surface, her regulator, the thing that gives you air, was still in her mouth. And her tank had, like, over half a tank of air and no faults were, to, like, tested. Her equipment was tested and no faults were found. So everything just was wondering, working like, fine. Yeah, I'm just wondering, like, what he did to her air supply. Well, during the inquest, the prosecutor submitted evidence that contradicted Gabe's story, um, you mm -hmm. know, notably by the dive computer, they believed that Gabe turned off Tina's regulator, so like stopped the air from coming, held her under the water until she was unconscious, and then turned the air back on and let her sink before he came back to the surface himself. 
This would also be in line with Dr. Stanley's account of the big bear hug. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. In all my expertise, I agree. (laughs) Well, I'm on like the edge. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. So in November of 2008, Gabe Watson was formally charged with the murder of Tina Watson in Australia. In June 2009, after resisting extradition, Gabe was eventually brought to Australia and was put on trial. It was argued that Gabe, you know, he was an experienced diver. He was a certified rescue diver, yet he let his wife fall to the ocean floor without attempting to save her. The prosecutors argued that the motive was insurance money, which if you remember, Tina asked her father to up the payment and make Gabe the beneficiary. Did he know that they hadn't changed it yet? I don't know. I don't know about that. But eventually, Gabe winded up taking a plea deal plea deal, and pled guilty to manslaughter, essentially stating that Tina died due to his negligence, but that he never intended for her to die. Which, like, I could see it both ways, right? Like, I think that this dude is just a dumbass who thought that he would be able to do this, and he wasn't able to do it, and his wife died because neither one of them were prepared after he had told her, we're going to be good, we're going to be good. Yeah, no, I can see that. But at the same time, if he pled out, he pled out to manslaughter? Manslaughter, yep. Or involuntary manslaughter. If I was adamant that it was, like, due to negligence, I would have gone for involuntary. Tried involuntary, yeah. But maybe that wasn't, like, on the table. At his trial, Gabe was sentenced to four and a half years in prison, Australian prison specifically, but he ended up serving just 12 months. At the conclusion of his prison sentence in 2010, Gabe was deported to the U.S. and immediately arrested on murder charges. Ooh, got him. So the prosecutors claimed that that (laughs) that Gabe had plotted to kill his wife in Alabama and therefore he should serve prison time in the U.S. Um, Okay. The trial officially- How did they determine that? Well, because, like, that was their, like, honeymoon. And also I think the insurance money being adjusted in the U.S. was, like, their sign- Oh, 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 right, because yeah. I lived in Birmingham. I, I, okay, okay, okay. So okay, the trial yeah. officially started on February 13th, 2012, which was Tina's 35th birthday. However, due to a lack of evidence, Alabama judge Tommy Nail actually acquitted Gabe of Tina's murder. So Gabe is a free man. He remarried a woman named Kim Lewis, who, if you look on the drive, kind of looks like Tina. Which is kind of weird. And is she still alive? Yep. So, yep, they're still married. They're, she's still alive. And she stayed by his side the entire time. And they now live together in Alabama. And I think that this case is, like, best wrapped up by the words of Tommy Thomas, Tina's father, who actually died. He passed away recently from cancer. But he stated, quote, All the fun in our lives has been taken away by the death of this angel ripped from our family. I am just a father who loves his daughter very much, who has fought to get to the truth about what happened to his firstborn daughter, and who wants justice and peace for her little girl and for the family and so many close friends that loved her and will continue to love her for eternity. And that is the tragic death of Tina Watson. Wow. I don't like, mm, Tina is very pretty. 
Her dad looks very kind. And the new wife is actually really pretty too. But does look a lot like Tia. That's what I'm saying. They look alike. Like he definitely has that like blonde, petite woman type because they look alike. I hope that she's okay. And like, again, it's just... This was a hard case for me because when I started it, I was like, this fucker murdered her. And I hate Gabe. So, like, I'm going to say that. I hate Gabe. So, I was like, yep, he murdered her. And then you go through it and you're like, this dude is just a fucking dumbass. Like, he genuinely, I believe that manslaughter was appropriate. I think he should have served all four and a half years in an Australian prison. And then also served time in the U.S. Like, I would agree with that. But I think that it was legit manslaughter and that he was stupid and thought that he could do this. Yeah, I, I mean, I could see that. What do you think? I'm not, I'm not convinced that he murdered her, like you said. Um, if he did, then I'm scared for the new wife. But then again, they've been together a long time. And he probably would have killed someone else by now if he was a serial killer. Is that like... I don't know. I, I think you're right. He's probably just an idiot. I know that people kill each other, like, kill other people for, like, very low amounts of money. Like, we've covered episodes on here where they kill each other for, like, 10 grand. But yeah, 100... I mean, look at my last one. Yeah. Yeah, Sarah Stern. But, like, 130000 isn't life-changing. Like, that's not, that's not going to change your life. I mean, it would, but, like, not in the long-term scheme of things. Like, that's not an amount of money to kill your new wife that you were completely obsessed about, supposedly. Yeah, and then, like, after the the funeral expenses and everything else, like, you're going to have, like, nothing left. And then whatever debt she had, it's it's used to pay that off. So, yeah, you're going to have no money. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, that's the story of Tina Watson and her douchebag husband, Gabe, who we all fucking hate. Rotten hell, Gabe. Two middle fingers for Gabe. Mm. Hopefully, he learned something from it and is no longer the idiot that he was. Like, hopefully, he knows, like, where his limitations are. And that he grew up. Like, everything, when I was just, like, reading about this guy, I was like, he is just a spoiled kid who had everything handed to him never faced consequences and now he had to and someone died because of it yeah and he's just like completely like self-centered yeah so i mean hopefully he learned something from it and he i don't know just let me say that knowing your limitations and setting boundaries for yourself and other people is not weak like a lot no it's actually it's a really big strength to yeah. say, I know so, myself. I know what I'm good and bad at, and I'm bad at this. Yeah. We need to rewrite how people think in this world. Because I get so tired of self-centered people who make these inappropriate fucking jokes because they think it's funny because it's what they were taught growing up. Like, it's not funny. It's just disgusting. Speaking the truth, amen. But yeah, that's our case this week. We love all of you. We hope you have a great holiday season. Again, we're taking a break. We're not going to be back till the 20th of January. Pray for us because Kayla and I still have to get through finals and get through a whole nother start of a semester. (laughs) I have so much homework to do because I also am planning to go to Puerto Rico for a few days. And it's like right at the end of like where all my homework is due. So I have to get it done early. Yeah, that's hard. But yeah, we'll see you guys in January. Bye. 
बाय